Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. All right, well, good morning. Whether you are aware of it or not, this is going to be an awesome morning in the presence of of God. We've had an opportunity to celebrate communion together. At the end of this service, we're going to have an opportunity to celebrate baptism as well. And I uh, always love baptism Sundays because I get to carry casual Friday all the way through the weekend, and, uh, and it's appropriate and celebrated. And so that's one of my bonuses uh, for this. But at the end of our service today, we've got a number of people who are uh, going to be getting baptized as a church family, I'm going to give you some homework, and so I'll just kind of prepare you for that ahead of time. Uh, when we do baptism, we always encourage those who are present uh, to remember at least one name and to begin to pray for them uh, through the day and pray for them through the week, that all the plans and the purposes that God would have for them would begin to come to pass in a new and a fresh way as they move into that. And so we want to encourage you to just kind of be mindful of that as we move forward in that. And uh, that point of celebration is going to be a really important moment in their journey with Jesus. It's a part of their story that gets to be highlighted and celebrated. And one of those things that if you've been baptized, you'll be reminded of when you uh, took that step of faith and when you uh, did that as a public profession of your trust in Jesus. And those are things that we want to celebrate. But there's also, there's oftentimes there's parts of our stories that aren't places that we want to celebrate, even maybe things that we don't want people to uh, know about. Um, And sometimes those come to light and and we weren't planning on that taking place. Um, One of the interesting things that I noted when I moved to Sterling, Colorado. So I uh, grew up in Southern California, lived in the Front Range uh, uh, um, through 2003 on until I ended up here. And so I was always kind of in in a bigger populace area. And one of the things that I noted when I moved to Sterling was a section of the local paper that I found interesting and a little bit curious. And maybe you know what it is, but there's a portion of our local papers that has the weekly emergency responses and arrest reports. And some of you are like, oh, I know where that is because I've been on that page. And some of you are like, no, no, I wasn't on the page. I've been looking at the page. That That was my part. There, I found that like incredibly uh, interesting, and then a little bit like uh, nervousness. You know, it's like, what, what if I end up on the page? And then, as I've been a pastor in this community, uh, I've had inv- uh, conversations with people at different times uh, that have started this way. Well, pastor, I know you probably read about it in the paper, but. Dot, dot, dot. And then maybe they start talking about their own experience or their kid or their parent or something that was kind of wrapped up and uh, uh, put on display there. And there, there are parts of our stories that are, are hard for us to love. You know, if we, if we sat down and we got really honest about some of the things maybe in our past or in our experience, if we were really honest about trauma that we've endured or trauma that we have caused, if we were honest about the places that we've struggled, 
to follow Jesus with the wholeness of our heart as we've been in this series to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. If we were honest about the places where maybe we fell short of that or maybe we're still kind of trying to learn and grow and maybe even fumbling our way forward in that. There's a tendency for us to have parts of our story that we wish that maybe weren't a part of it at all. We have life moments that we regret. We've got things that we'd rather not relive places that maybe we're embarrassed or ashamed. And some of those things can even be like positive things in our life. There's been times in my life where I've been a little bit embarrassed about being a follower of Jesus, where you can feel pressure if you're in certain circumstances to maybe conceal your faith. Like those are real parts of the lives that we live and the things that we endure. And in doing so, there is a tendency at times for us to take those pieces of our story and kind of hide them away. And what I would suggest to you today and what we're going to look at as kind of an example in Scripture is is this, that, that every part of your story, okay, every part of your story has value if you surrender it to Jesus. If you, if you surrender your life to Jesus, Every part of your story has value. And the hard parts, the embarrassing parts, the regrettable parts, the traumatic parts, Scripture says that he can work for good, that something good can come out of those ashes for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's what the book of Romans says, that those places that we would rather maybe not revisit or have exposed or find on the newspaper page, that the Lord can do something redeeming with those things, that the present that you're enduring, uh, enduring the struggles that you have maybe today in moving forward into the plans and purposes of God for your life and in, in following Jesus, that that part of his, your story, that you can surrender those moments to him and he can use those for your life and for others. Every part of your story has value and can be used by him to draw people to salvation if you're willing to surrender your story to him. And when you do that, what I would suggest to you is you can can love your story, all of it, even the parts that that, that you wish weren't written as part of it to this point. There's a way to reconcile that with God's plans and purposes and to love your story. If you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you to get that out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, go ahead and open up your Bible app. Go ahead and raise your word up. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would speak to us through your word today. Lord, that there would be a receptivity in our heart. Lord, for the places that our story is is what we wish it wasn't, Lord, would you give us an appreciation of how you could redeem that and use that to impact the life of another that would draw them to salvation in you. Lord, for the places that we may be currently struggling, trying to find our way forward. Lord, give us an appreciation for how you can use these moments to form and fashion godly character in us. Lord, that we could be an example to others around us. And Lord, uh, give us a hope that what would be written in our future, that you are the author of that pen and that your plans and purposes would come to pass in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. With your Bibles out, go ahead and open up to 1 Timothy. That's going to be kind of the first place that we find ourselves this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to just spend a, a few brief moments and we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul and we're going to look at the way that he used his story 
purposefully and intentionally to align with kingdom moments, with the way that God would use those to draw people uh, to him. Because the Apostle Paul, he's a really interesting, uh, he's a really interesting person in Scripture because of this reason. He did not shy away from his past, right? He, he didn't hide it. Uh, he, it. It was something that he was open about, he was vulnerable with. Now, he, he didn't um, embellish it, and he didn't get caught sensational, uh, sensa- sensationalizing it. He didn't kind of get stuck in the details of it. You know, sometimes when we go backwards, we can get stuck there. Like I've listened to some people try to give their testimony of how God's changed their life, and they spend 30 minutes talking about how terrible their life was in every detail. And then their big transformative moment is, and, but then I gave my heart to Jesus. And it's like, I don't need to hear all the detail. You tell me that this was how you used to live. I want to hear what Jesus is doing in your life today. That's where all the hope is. And so there's, there's a way to kind of move forward in that without reveling in it. We can be honest and open about those parts of our story. And Paul was. Paul was really honest about the past, but he didn't get stuck in the details and he didn't get trapped in that identity. In fact, he was always using it to call people to their identity in Jesus. And here's what you find if, if you study kind of the, the writings of Paul. Every telling of his story, he used purposefully. Every time he told his story, he used it purposefully, and he used the whole of his story for God's purposes. And one of the things about Paul, if you are familiar with the Apostle Paul, um, prior to him being kind of going by that moniker, he was known as Saul, or Saul of Tarsus. But we know a lot about Paul's past, and a lot of it comes from the book of Acts. So the book of Acts, which is kind of the the storied history of the birth of the church and the early church years and what God was doing through the power of the Holy Spirit to kind of birth this movement of salvation and redemption in the world, a lot of that ends up talking to us uh, about Paul. And so that book of Acts gives us some pictures there. In Acts chapter 9, you have him persecuting the church, and then he has an encounter with Jesus, and then everything changes From that point, through the rest of the book of Acts, you've got his missionary journeys and his church planning efforts. You've got the times uh, that he's been arrested and he's giving kind of account of his own testimony. And so Acts is kind of uh, unpacking all of those things. And in many ways, the book of Acts is kind of outing Paul in a sense. And I don't know if you knew this, the, the book of Acts was written by Paul's friend. Anybody ever have a friend that started telling your stories you weren't ready to tell anybody else yet? right? That was, that, that was Luke, right? Luke, who, who wrote the gospel of Luke, he also writes Acts. So he writes about the, the, the life and ministry of Jesus, and then he writes a comprehensive early history of the church. And Luke is the one who is writing this, and he's getting eyewitness accounts, and he's digging into all the dirt, and he's getting all the gritty details. And then in the book of Acts, what you find is Luke not only was writing about things that he had learned about or listened to, he was writing about things that he lived because he was a companion of Paul. There's a point in the book of Acts where all of the pronouns change, and they become collective, and and Luke starts talking about we and us. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, and it's because he was a companion of Paul. So Luke is writing the book of Acts, and he's talking about Paul's past, right? It's like the page in the local paper, and Luke is the author of that. And so a lot of what we know of Paul was kind of through that avenue, but did you know that actually more of the details of Paul's life come from Paul and not from Luke? 
If you read many of the letters, 1 Timothy, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Paul's always talking about his story in his past. There's actually not anything in Acts that Paul doesn't talk about openly in his own letters to the church. And so his story wasn't something that just somebody kind of knew bits and pieces about and they were kind of in offhand exposing him to the world. It was something that he used often, intentionally, purposefully for a kingdom purpose. And what I'm going to suggest to you today is that there's three ways that, um, and, and they're not exhaustive, but these are three helpful ways that Paul used his story. And I want to encourage you to think about whether or not you could use your story in that way as well. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, Paul goes into his past, starts talking about where he came from. And he says this, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And right there, I would have written hallelujah, but Paul says, but I'm the worst one of all, right? So instead of kind of that Jesus came to save the lost, hallelujah, it's Jesus came to save sinners, and I am the absolute worst of all of them. That was his own admission. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul went there. He went into his past. And he didn't sugarcoat it, but he also didn't get lost in the details. He told it exactly how he was. And in his estimation, he would say that he was the worst of the worst. Not because that he was just walking in wickedness, but because he purposely tried to withstand the move of God's salvation in the world. And so in his own esteem, he would say, hey, man, I'm the worst, but my salvation serves as an example. And really what he would say is there's nobody's too lost to be found. And in this letter to 1 Timothy, it's, it's, there's two letters that Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor, somebody that he mentored, somebody that was a part of his ministry, somebody who he installed in that local church, and somebody who he's trying to encourage. Because Timothy is a, is a young pastor, he's under incredible scrutiny, and can I just say with all candor, pastoring is hard. Being a pastor is hard. Being a minister is hard. It was hard then, it's hard today. Last stats that I looked at said over 1,400 pastors leave, leave the ministry a day in the United States right now, current stats. It's hard. And Timothy was a young pastor. He was under scrutiny because of his age. He was under scrutiny because of the time in church history. He was under scrutiny because Paul's not there leading the church. It's him that's doing it. And so Paul's writing back to him. And Paul's encouragement to him in this section is really this. Hey, Timothy, if Jesus can use me, he can use anybody. You're fine. If he can use the worst of the worst, he can certainly use you. Somebody who has been learned and mentored and encouraged and empowered by the Spirit 
of God. And so Paul's using his story very specifically to draw Timothy to encouragement, but also says that his story serves as an example to those who would be sinners that they could be saved, that they were lost, that they were found. He says something similar in Galatians chapter 1. Starting in verse 13, he says, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church, and I tried to destroy it. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, I was saved. And the only report that was then heard was that the man who was formerly persecuting us is now preaching the faith he tried to destroy. And so Paul, he was, he was open about his past. He was open about that. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 and 7, he starts talking about those who would think that maybe they don't need to be saved, that they're confident in their own righteous works, their own ability to kind of save themselves. And he says, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I'm of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He would say he was the goat, the greatest of all time. He would settle the dispute. In regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. All the do's I did, all the don'ts I didn't, and nobody did it better than me. And in kind of giving all of that out, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ, and I press on towards the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so when Paul goes backwards in his story, when he goes back to where he was, when he goes back to the parts that would have been embarrassing, When he goes back to say, man, I was, I was persecuting the church and I was hauling men and women off to jail. When, he's, when he goes into his past, it's always to invite people to a hope in Jesus. And there's a place for you, there's an appropriate way for you to go into the littered garbage of your past and not get trapped or caught there. To not sensationalize it and try to draw out gory details to to kind of enamor an audience, but there's a place for you to go back and say, this right here, that was part of my life. And I know that you can't even believe it because I'm changed. And if Jesus can change me, then what could he do with whatever it is that you're dealing with? Like th- those are my favorite stories. And I've shared this from the front uh, several times with our church family. My favorite stories about you guys are when you tell me, Pastor, this is how I used to live. And I'm like, bro, I don't see it. Like, I can't even, I can't even imagine you as a character in that because of the way that you've been changed. And those are moments that Jesus has done for you. And those are moments that he continues to walk us through with sanctification. Right? Parts of our stories were like, no, I was like that. And you're like, yeah, you're still kind of like that today. <laughs> but you st- there's hope in Jesus to continue to move forward, to continue to be redeemed and restored and sanctified. And that's part of moving into maturity in Christ. Salvation is instantaneous. Sanctification is a process. And every day when you say yes to Jesus, you move forward. 
Every day you say yes to Jesus, you look a little bit different than the person that was behind you who really did all of those things and endured all of that stuff. And every yes moves you further and further from that identity to the identity that you have in Christ until one day you look back and you don't recognize that anymore. See, and that's how Paul used his story. So the parts of your story that you would be prone to just kind of like gloss over or to omit altogether, there's a wise way to partner with the Spirit of God, to be honest and vulnerable at appropriate times, to give people hope. It's always to give people hope should be the result. We see that in Paul. So how can your story be used to invite people towards that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to look at how Paul uses a different part of his story, really for a different thing. So he took all the hard parts of his story to offer people this thought. There's hope in Jesus. There's other parts of his story that he uses to, hide, to, to as an example, to kind of correct and direct, to help shape the journey and the way that they were living their lives. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we get part of that. If you're familiar with the letter, 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul writes to a specific local church who is not doing church life very well. They are highly individualistic. They are fractured and divided. They're really out for themselves. They're pompous and arrogant. They see themselves through their own self-righteous lens, and there is no unity or community really in the body. And so Paul is bringing a letter of correction there, and he corrects them on everything from the way that they're doing church like we did today to the way that they were doing communion, to just the everyday ins and outs of church life. And he's, he's bringing correction and redirection, but he's not doing it from a way that most of us get corrected and redirected, right? Most of us, when we feel even that word discipline or correction, we see a wagging fang, finger in our face, or an angry scowl from a father or a mother or from a coach or from a, uh, a, a, an employer. Like we, we shy away even from that thought. But as Paul's bringing correction and redirection to this church, he does it through humility and he uses his story to do it. And in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he starts kind of talking about who he is and why he has credibility, but he comes at it from a, a, a point of humility. And he says this, starting in verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He goes back to the hard part of his story. And then he approaches them in humility rather than authority. It's a really interesting thing because most people would say Paul wasn't just an apostle, but he was like the apostle, right? In fact, if you went out in the street and you asked people to name apostles, they could probably all say Paul, churched and unchurched. And then a few would maybe say Peter because we relate to him because his foot was in his mouth most of the time. And it's like, okay, there's hope for Peter, there's hope for me. But as Paul is looking to correct and redirect, he uses this part of his story and he presents himself as the least. I'm the lowest. I don't even deserve to be here. By the grace of God, I am. And his grace to me is not without effect. No, I have worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was given to me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believe. And he's drawing them to a place. He's trying to correct their division. He's trying to correct their disunity. 
And he comes in and he says, hey, I don't even really deserve to be here. I'm the least of all the apostles, but just so that you know, all of us apostles, we're all preaching the same thing. We're all on the same team. We're unified. So as a body of believers, maybe you could too. If all of these strong personalities, Peter, Paul, and the rest, if we can be unified in Jesus as Lord and Savior and the preaching of the gospel, then maybe local church, maybe you could draw together and figure your stuff out too. He's being really, really kind because in directing and correcting, instead of coming with a heavy hand of authority, he uses part of his story as an example to suggest maybe it could be like that for you too. And there are places in your story where you can do that, where the example of what you have done, the places where you've had to walk through the hard road of repentance, the places where you've had to be open and honest, the places where you've had to stand up, the places where you've had to learn how to worship, right? And we, we have different kind of ex- expressions of that. And it's, it's interesting to me through the years to watch somebody move from when they come into our church family and they're just like trying to figure it out and they're just like, all right, I guess we sing right now. You know, not everybody's grown up in church and not every church does the same thing. So it's like, there's a learning curve to like, okay, I remember this song, so maybe I'll try to mouth the words a little bit, then get some confidence to kind of sing out. Oh, you know, maybe I want to, maybe I want to raise my hand, not both hands, right? We're not getting crazy. Like maybe that, like there's like this kind of evolution of figuring out how to like give your whole heart to God. And there's different kind of ways to do that. And there's grace within it. And the places where you've had to learn and grow, mature, places where you've had to be renewed in your mind, where your priorities have had to be restructured, where the things that you value have had to be switched out. Like those are all parts of your story that if you share that at an opportune moment and you partner with the Holy Spirit, it becomes an invitation for somebody else to consider whether their story could be like that too. And again, it offers hope and an opportunity to respond. How can your story be used as an example to help direct others towards Jesus? And then what's really interesting to me is in 2 Corinthians, and this is the last part we'll look at Paul's story. There's so many other things that you could look at through the whole of it. In 2 Corinthians, this is his second letter back to the same church. So the first time he sends the letter, like they're kind of losing it. They're fractured and they're divided. And so he's trying to bring correction and unity and bring them back together. And he uses his story from a position of humility to suggest, hey, we could all come together and this could be healthy. His second letter back to the church is not necessarily to bring them together, but it's to get them to go together. Because what they've got really good at is getting together and doing church, but they haven't been really motivated or mobilized to move in faith to do anything important in the kingdom of God. They've gotten their church community down, but now it's time to go and to be mobilized. And and Paul is calling them to be a part of mission funding, thinking of other places, other peoples. And it's in that place that he uses part of his story and he comes at it not from this position of humility. It's, it's different. He actually uses his authority of what he's experienced and where he is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 5, he says this, and I find this wild. He says, I do not think I am the least inferior to those super apostles. Now, if you've been 
carefully listening this morning, he literally just sent a letter to them previously that said, I don't deserve to even be in the group. I'm the least of the least. And now he turns around and in this letter, he says, man, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not left out of the super apostle group. And then look at this. this. He starts listing his credibility. This is his credentials. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. So he's acknowledging that boasting in these things, he's doing it to make a point. He's not doing it from a position of arrogance, and that's why that foolish statement there. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ Jesus? Oh my goodness, I'm out of my mind to even talk like this. I am more? What? Right? He's going hardcore here. I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a whole night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from the rivers. I've been in danger from the bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, in danger from the false believers. I feel like if we got a good beat behind this, we'd be spitting hot fire right now. (laughs) I mean, he's just like on it. I've labored and I've toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked besides everything else. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Who is weak and I don't feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? But if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And then later Paul actually celebrates his weakness. and says that God spoke to him and said, in your weakness, I will show my strength. But it's an interesting thing here because Paul uses a different part of his story. And instead of coming in from the part of his story where here's the least of the apostles, which is a position of humility to invite people to consider correction, now he's coming from a position in his story of authority to say now it's time to go and do something. And so every time Paul used his story, and he used the whole of it, it was always with an intentional purpose to align people with a hope in Jesus and a step of faith in the kingdom of God. And for you and I, I would just suggest to you, if you could love your whole story and surrender the whole of your story to Jesus, that he can use any and every one of those pieces at opportune moments to be a point of encouragement to invite people to him. And he will. And he will. Church family, I want to invite you to stand. Worship team, if you would come forward. I want to take a moment. I want to pray for you. I'm going to invite some people on stage as we celebrate baptism in just a moment. But as the worship team comes forward, church family, I want to invite you just to bow your heads. The Apostle Paul shared and celebrated the part of his story that was the most useful in the moment, to point people to Jesus and to forward the kingdom of God. Church family, every part of your story has value. 
when you surrender it to Jesus. Every part of your story has the possibility of inviting people to new life in Christ when you surrender it to Jesus. I know that there are parts of your story that you would be ashamed of. It would be regrettable. Parts of your story that has put maybe even a label on you. And you can walk free from that without having to somehow ignore that that's a part of your life. You can surrender that part of your life to the Lord and he can use it to be an invitation to hope for others. There's parts of your stories right now where you're struggling, where there's a sincere desire in you to be the man of God, the woman of God that you were created to be, and you're kind of floundering your way forward. Be honest with that part of your story and allow other men and women of God to come alongside you and to encourage you and to strengthen you and to, to move you forward together. Friends, some, some of you are guarded with your faith. You're quicker to highlight the brokenness in your life than to celebrate the new life that you have in Jesus. Allow courage to rise up within you. Young man, young woman, allow courage to rise up in you and to speak of the new life that you have in Jesus in a way that invites others to that possibility. Lord, give us a desire for the whole of our story to be used for the whole of your glory. Give us a desire in our heart to use the whole of our story for the whole of your glory. And give us opportunities to maybe take baby steps with that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Couple action steps before I have my honored guests join me on the platform. It's just two thoughts. One is, is find a way to share part of your story with someone this week. Just prayerfully consider a way that you could be honest and vulnerable and invite somebody into that conversation. And in doing so, make sure, don't forget this, this is so important. Highlight the moment that Jesus made the difference and allow that to be an invitation of hope for those around you. You guys can go ahead and be seated. I'm gonna be joined on stage with my honored guests this morning. All right, church family, you guys gotta smile because you are an intimidating group. I told them that the lights were bright enough for them to not see you, but that's not quite true, is it? No, if you stare at him, though, you'll be all right. Go ahead and step over there. I warned you at the beginning of service that you were going to have some homework. Those of you at home, this applies to you as well. I want to encourage you to remember at least one name as we go through this and as we go through the baptism portion of our service. Uh, remember one name. Allow the Holy Spirit to impress that one name on your heart. Begin to pray for them even now as we do this. Pray for them and consider them through the rest of today and, and then begin to do that in this next week that all the plans and purposes of God would come to pass for them. I'm gonna ask them for their name. I'm gonna ask them if they have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So they only have to remember their name and an affirmation. Um, but I may ask a, a few others to share as we do this. Would you let us know what your name is?
Gracie Day. Gracie Day. Everybody say Gracie. Gracie. See, pop, pop quiz. Here we go. And have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yep. Do you want to share with us a little bit about why you're getting baptized this morning? Um, God has done a lot in my life recently, and um, he's proved to me his unconditional love and um, the possibility of what he can do for me. And this is me um, showing him that I trust him and that I'm ready for him. Amen. Today. Amen. Now, you won't all have to answer. <laughs> we didn't prepare them for that part. And what's your name? Lillian Shaver. Lillian. Can everybody say Lillian? Lillian. Have you received Jesus? Yes, yes I have. You, have. you want to share a little more or are you good? Okay. I thought so. You're not getting off the hook, so I'll tell you right now. What's your name? Michael Martinez. Michael Martinez. Michael? Michael. All right. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Yeah, why are you getting baptized today? Um, it's because I've been battling with a lot of demons in my life, and I, I've lost them a lot, and he's actually showed me the right, the right way and the right path to show me the success. And so I'm here to follow him in my, all my heart, show him what, it's, what this is about now. Amen. Amen. Dominic Mangino. Dominic Mangino. Dominic. Yep, and have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Do you want to share it all? So uh, same kind of with my friend here. We've been dealing with a lot of things in my life uh, over the years, and uh, God showed me that he works in mysterious ways. He's very strong and powerful, and I trust him with all my heart. You know, I grew up with him in my life, but it's time that I make that, that announcement, that show the world and show myself that I can do things through Christ. Amen. Amen. I'll speak for you. And your name? Terrell Adelsberger. Terrell? Terrell. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yes. I'm going to speak for Terrell for just a moment. Um, he has a lot in him that he would want to say. Um, and he's walked through kind of the recovery of a stroke. He's got um, some things that have been impeding his speech. He's got some things in his body physically that he is contending for God to heal. And as a church family, we're, we're standing with him. Um, if, if the Spirit of God impressed on you to be praying for Terrell today and this week, uh, not just for the plans and purposes that God has for his life, but be contending for God to do a healing work in him as well. Uh, be be uh, contending for that earnestly. And um, just so proud of each one of these up here, um, just there, and I'm pumped. Baptism's my favorite. I want to share a verse before we continue. I'm going to pray over them. In Romans chapter 6, Paul's talking about baptism, and he says, and therefore, we were buried with Jesus through baptism into death in order that just as Christ has raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Church family, if you would extend your hands, we're going to pray for our friends here. Lord, we thank you for new life. Lord, we thank you for transformation. Jesus, we thank you that you do such a, a deep and sincere work in us that there are moments when the past character of our story doesn't look anything like who we have become as a new creation in Christ. And Lord, today we celebrate the work that you're doing in each one of these 
Lord, we celebrate the plans and the purposes that you have for them that are aligned with the abundant life that you offer. And Lord, we pray that today would be a day of demarcation. Lord, that as they would go into the waters of baptism and that as they would rise out of them, that there really would be a new and fresh life that they walk into. Lord, that there would be a discernible change. Lord, that there would be an awakening of your spirit in them, that there would be a release of your gifts in their life. Lord, that there would be healing that is experienced in the heart, mind, body, and soul. Lord, that there would be new life. And Lord, that this would be a part of their story, that they would be ready to share, that this would be a part of their story, that they would be eager to celebrate. And Lord, that it would be a part of their story that makes a difference in the lives of others. Thank you for your sacrifice, your death and resurrection, and the new life that we have as a result of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so before we head back there, I need you guys all to scrunch scrunch together so I can get my baptism selfie with you. (laughs) Got to get everybody... Well, I, I want to be in the picture too. All right, right there. All right, you got to look there and smile so you don't have crazy eyes. All right. All right, you guys can head back there. <laughs>